And we're live. So, Laura, did you meet any new black people this week? Yesterday, now that Mundo's gone, he was my in-house black person. So yesterday I saw a black lady at the parking lot of the supermarket and I definitely stared in her direction until she felt me. And then she turned around. And like your presence, me. she felt your presence. Oh, yeah. She had to feel okay. my presence because okay. otherwise I wasn't leaving. I probably would have walked towards her. Um, and then she looked at me, we did the acknowledgement nod, smiled, and then I went on my merry way. So yes, that was my one black person this week. That's it? Okay. Um, I did not. Oh. I'm like thinking really hard and I got nothing. Mm. Like I've been, I've been brainstorming my black folks. I got nothing. Mm. I probably like passed some, some in a car, maybe walked by somebody in a grocery store. Okay. It's okay. It's spring. Maybe, maybe the black people will come out of hibernation. I don't. <laughs> That's how it, is black that how it works? People are not bears. I don't. It, it no, is don't, getting warmer here. It is. So maybe we'll see more black people. Perhaps we will. Okay. Fix it, black Jesus. Fix it, black Jesus. Fix it, black Jesus. Fix it, black Jesus. I'm Laura Solis, and I'm just trying to live my life, trying to get it together. Who are you? I'm Aisha McGowan, and I will be 30 years old on Sunday. Ah! Sorry. <laughs> and I've decided that I'm not going to try and reinvent myself because I'm already pretty cool. So you are pretty damn cool. So we're just gonna we're gonna keep going the way we're going. Just like to it. 30 more. Boom. And and beyond. Hell yeah, because 60. Mm -mm. Nah, we don't we don't extend that life expectancy. We yeah. don't. Yeah. <laughs> sure. Are. We're not gonna eat all the salt that all of. That I mean, I'm gonna eat some salt though. Actually, Seasoning is a must. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. Mm -hmm. we'll, we'll talk about salt another I'm day. Himalayan pink salt, you know. <laughs> Something our ancestors did not have. We will do better. Thank you, Joe's. Anyhow. <laughs> okay. So this week, or recently I stumbled upon this quiz from BuzzFeed, which I sometimes have troubles with BuzzFeed overall. But today I'm celebrating them, if you will, in that I want to participate in this quiz that they have, which is questions that are impossible for Black girls to answer. Chat okay. lips or dry hands? Anyhow, it was written by um, oh, a is that, is that in the title? Chat lips <laughs> or dry hands? Yes. Oh, that is awful. Uh, this, just so you know what you're getting ready for. This is what we're getting ready for. Is that black specific, though? Aisha, focus. Just focus. I'm sorry. Focus. Okay. It was, the, this, it was a black woman with fluffy hair named Tolani up in the UK. Okay. Okay. So here we go. First question. Would you rather never be allowed to wear your headscarf to bed or never be allowed to use coconut oil ever again. I will add that the photograph being used to represent a headscarf is actually a bonnet, which is not the same thing. It's not. Please, uh, yes, please answer the question. I don't wear a headscarf, but I live and die from coconut oil. Mm. So you could keep your headscarf and your bonnet and I will, I will rock out with my coconut oil. I'm gonna equate my satin pillowcase to the headscarf slash bonnet and i'm gonna say no to the olive oil sorry to the coconut oil oh wow because <laughs> i have other oils that i enjoy like argan oil jojoba yes, there oil. are other oils there so are. i'm good okay. without it i'll be i could i could live without it but i could not live without my satin pillowcase understood okay next question would you rather wear a foundation that isn't your skin tone or have to 
<laughs> or have your leave out not match your weave. <laughs> Girl, you know I don't wear no damn weave. <laughs> or makeup, really. Not all, not that I, oh, I guess what's Okay, a- I've had the makeup struggle. Um, <laughs> I feel like as a woman of a particular shade, Mm-hmm. It's quite challenging to find a foundation that works unless you go to like Sephora where they got the, all the options. You know, yeah. I have not looked into the Queen line at CoverGirl. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you um, know who Jackie Aina is? I do not. She's on the YouTube and she is a dark skin gal and mm-hmm. she is a really great source for finding the makeup. proper foundation. Yes. Oh, I hate when people have like too light foundation and they're dark and then. Mm-hmm. My problem is that my skin tone is like a mix between like reds and olives, my undertones. Yep. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So you can tell when my stuff don't match. It's very frustrating. <laughs> so um, what is your answer? You wearing the foundation, the foundation that isn't. I don't wear a weave, Laura. Okay, I guess <laughs> I guess we know the answer to that. So for me, it would be the opposite. I don't wear a weave because, as we all know, I'm wearing extensions. It is not. You the are same. wearing extensions. I have worn those. It is but not the same. I if so, I guess the closest I could relate to this would be that my braid hair didn't match my actual hair. That would be my biggest struggle, especially as a natural girl. You need to get some hair with some kink in it, a natural wave to it or something. All right, next question. Would you rather have relaxed hair that's thin and unhealthy mm. or, or do, <laughs> do the big chop and have your hair never grow? Oh, I'd rather have my hair not grow. I'm okay with that. I shaved yeah, my hair a few years I mean, ago. I have a nicely shaped head. Have you ever shaved your head? I've never shaved it, but I did have hair as short as my mother, which is very, very Ooh, short. Ooh, yeah, like bar- barber like shop inches. Yeah, it's a couple. Only. No, in- no inches. Like, no inches. That was like a two all around. Yeah. A yeah. two all around. I mean, do you know that reference when you go to the barber? You're like, let me get a two all around. Well, that's, I cut Will's hair. And there you go. Just put a two on the clippers. It's not a two, I don't think. I don't know what it is, but we do it all around, whatever it is. I think he has a one. I think he has a one. He look like he has a one. Yeah. <laughs> For the people in the back, keep up. All right. So what is your answer? I am not having no fitting hair. Get out of here. <laughs> all right. We're going to rock a nice little short do, and it's going to be all right. The question that started it all, would you rather have chip laps? Nope. Would you rather have chapped lips with no lip balm or always have dry hands with no hand cream? Ooh. 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 Next question, please. No, you got to answer. You got to answer or you're going to die. You got to answer. You got to answer. I would rather have dry hands than chapped lips. Chapped lips drive me crazy. Dry hands drives me mad, but not crazy. How about this? Ooh, all right. See, because I have an extensive collection of chapsticks. I easily have like 35. Very much do. So clearly, (laughs) I would rather have the dry hands. But what I'm thinking is if I just use the chapstick, I just use exactly because I do have. (laughs) I have done it before. Nothing in my (laughs) To get in the creases? Exactly. (laughs) When I'm on my bike, I only carry one thing. And it is usually a <laughs> tiny tub of shea butter, and I could use that everywhere. So I don't I need to make a it. choice. I, have I don't need to make a choice. Desperate times, my friend. <laughs> <laughs> All right, next question. Have would you rather always have your name mixed up with the other black girls in the office, or mm-hmm. have to let people touch your natural hair oh, every Jesus time Christ. they ask? Mix, mix up my name. Don't touch my hair. I'm they mix up my hair. They mix up my name anyway. They do. Just they never spell it correctly. Don't touch my hair. Don't. T- I I tweeted 
because there's a um a meme going around called a uh, black black women at work or something like yes, that. Yes, yes, yes. And there's one where it's like like when people touch my hair without my permission or something like that. Mm. And it's the the image of the lady from Get Out, the black lady, when she's crying and saying, no, 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 no. <laughs> and like laugh crying and saying no. It's I'm gonna, like, I'm yes, with you that on that. exactly how I feel. Do not touch my hair. I'm please. with that. Don't touch my hair. All right, we agree on that one. Would you rather people ask how your hair grew so fast every time you have weave or braids or oh, have people asking you <laughs> where you're really from every day? You know, both happens. I was gonna say, I think I live both of these. Hmm. Man, Lord, your hair grew real quick. <laughs> I know. And then tomorrow when I take these braids out, oh, wow. Oh, you got a haircut? <laughs> and then Sunday when I got new braids, wow, look at that. Yeah, so I don't feel like I need to make a choice. Both of these happen already. Hmm. hmm. All right. Do you feel like you need to make a choice? I ain't making no choice. I don't, I don't have a choice. <laughs> Would you rather never experience shrinkage, which is hair shrinkage for the hair at the people in the back? Or... or Always have your edges laid no matter what. Wow. Mm. I guess. See, that's hard for me because my hair is curly. Mm -hmm. So my edges don't like to be laid no matter <laughs> regardless. Same. My edges do whatever the F they want. Mm. And I don't necessarily mind shrinkage. It's just a part of life at this point. Yep. yep. Um, But it's when it does the like helmet hair effect even mm. if i haven't been wearing a helmet <laughs> like my hair takes the shape of its container <laughs> what that? that's what why you can't wear a bonnet because then that is why i cannot wear a bonnet i wake up and it's just like what happened here like what <laughs> what is going on what is um, nope don't say that Lauren. <laughs> <laughs> so uh i'll take the shrinkage and have led laid edges yeah sure I always got these little flyaways and they're not always cute. So we there you go. There you go. I will, I will, I will, I'd like to know what life would be like if I never experienced shrinkage, but like only if it was at will, like, can I just but put some what does that on mean? It? Is it like, is your hair permanently straight? Yeah. Cause I don't want your that. Hair, Cause I don't I know. I don't want straight you hair. Much about this next question. <laughs> <laughs> would you rather have to use blue magic every day for the rest of your life? You mean lard? <laughs> Hair and scalp conditioner mm -hmm. or use pink oil every day for the rest of your life. I will say pink oh, oil. There's, oh, there's oh. Pink oil got me through high school. High it did, school. but it's so runny. It, and then blue magic is like thick. Thick. <laughs> like thick. See, they've come up with a lot of in-betweens since high school. Yes, they have. But pink oil got my hair wrapped every night. I would put brush. pink oil before I put blue magic. So I will use pink blue oil magic. I will pick blue magic because I will only use it on parts of my scalp. That's how I'll do it. Cause I have a dry scalp. So that's how I would do it. Pink oil. I, mm -mm, that's no, no, see, I would look like, bad time. you know, those dudes that look like they have the perm that didn't quite go right. And they just combed it back. <laughs> like Don King. Oh shit. Yes. That's no. what blue magic does to my hair. So we're not doing that. Oh yeah. See different. <laughs> All right. Two more, two more. Would you rather, Ooh, Ooh, this hits my heart. Would you rather <laughs> deal with two tight braids for a month or deal with relaxer burn pain for five hours? Girl, I'll go through them five hours. Can I sleep through it? I mean, <laughs> I'm just going to sleep through the pain. 
But we, but, but we don't do relaxes no more. See, but it's just the pain. I'm not actually going to get the relaxer. It's just I have to feel the pain. I'm not well, I don't want either. I don't want to feel my head. Tears, Laura, but five hours is much shorter than a month. But Some see, once, breeds. but if you got a relaxer burn, then that it also says, means no, your hair is damaged. No, it says deal with relaxer burn pain. It doesn't say that my hair is actually going to be relaxed. And it is only the pain. And it's only for five hours. Which means All right. Well, I'll deal with the five hours over the month. Next I'm, question. I may have gone into some technicalities. Anyhow. You last, sure did. Last question. Your logic is flawed. <laughs> but whatever. Last question. Would you rather have a... <gasps> oh, jeez. raid drop out in public? <laughs> oh, my God. No. Or... Or, or have a track showing for the whole day. Okay, oh so my here's god. The here's the thing. I've seen both happen. Yes. Neither has happened to me. Mm-hmm. I feel like most of the time you can tell if somebody's got a weave in their hair. Yeah, but what if the track is showing the whole day? Like you ain't never seen nobody walk around with their track showing. Of course I did. All but, right then. But I wouldn't want someone to see my own track. That's one day in your life. You could fix that. That braid done fall out. You got some other problems you're going to have to consider. See, I feel like I'm going to pick the braid because I'm the kind of person, like, if the dr- the braid drop out, I'm going to act like I'm tripping, pick that shit right on, <laughs> up, put it in my pocket. We going to keep it going. It's going to be all right. I knew this was in my hair in the first place. It's going to be all right. Whereas with the weave, there's some people that are still fooled into thinking that is actually your hair, which I don't. I mean, you I'm know, old. Will just discovered. I told him, I was like, you know, the white girls got that. They got weave in their hair now. Hell yeah, they do. He did, he had no idea. He didn't know the really. Yeah, I was like, we were watching something, and this it was um we watched Iron Fist. I promise you, the the girl who plays the sister, I don't remember her name now. Joy, she, she got a weave. I promise that's a weave in her hair. I okay. promise that's a weave in her hair. I, I, I don't I know why I'm so passionate about it, but <laughs> but I promise you. Mm-hmm. Got a weave. Mm-hmm. And he was like, oh, I didn't really. Yeah. White girls got weaves too. Don't let them fool. All right. You. Recommend to him that he watch Good Hair starring we, Chris Rock. Seen it, I'm sure. So then why does he not know? He must have forgot. He need a refresher. He need a refresher. He's probably listening to this at some point. We're going to rewatch Good Hair. There we go. And I haven't shown it to my significant other. He needs to get put on. All right. So time for the Yas Queens. Okay, so these queens that I've chosen are not notable for any one specific act, but they are just consistently here for us. Ooh, can I just say that I appreciate that you said specific and not Pacific? I'm we'll, just, talk about, we'll talk about that later. Please continue. Um, wow. Uh, yeah. So I've chosen both Maxine Waters mm, mm. and Angela Rye and Auntie Maxine. Auntie Maxine has been standing up for what she believes in, no matter who comes her way. She has called out 45 and has been recently attacked by Mr. Bill O'Reilly. Mm-hmm. He came for her in her wig. You don't come for no black lady in her wig. You don't mm-hmm. do it. You no. do not do it. If you thought about it, think again. Either way, <laughs> if you haven't, and I know I've tweeted this recently, go and thank Auntie Maxine for her service. Mm-hmm. And while you're at it, go send out a little tweet 
to Angela Rye as well, because she's out here on the news preaching to these white folks and black folks about what's real. Did you see the thing where it was like the American Healthcare Act or something and it ended with like, he's taking healthcare away from me and you, your mama and your cousin too. No, 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 it was the wall. That's who's paying for the wall. Me and you, your mama and your cousin too. That's what she said. So Angela Rye- oh, I haven't seen that one. Yeah, she was like, he said, who's paying for the wall? They Mexico, it's me and you, your mama and your cousin too. It's so true though, it's so and For those true. of y'all in the back, that is a outcast reference. Yeah. Very good song, look it up. Okay. Indeed. Who's your queen? My queen is a child. So she she a little princess. Is she, she a child of God. Yeah, she, she she a child of Black Jesus. She is a child of Black Jesus. And it was um Fro Babies. They're uh, they have an Instagram account. They're probably on the Facebook too. Anyhow, they posted this video of this child. She has to be no more than four years old, and she's wearing a little trench coat and has a big ass microphone, probably as big as half of her body. And she going up to white people. I believe they're in Wall Street. Oh, you posted this on the Face of Black Jesus Facebook page. I did. I did. And she's just putting her microphone in her in your face. And it just like thump on your face, boop, just, <laughs> just boop. Um, who did you exploit today, sir? <laughs> Some people will be like, "Oh, I, I, I can't, I can't do this today." She's like, "Why? You exploiting people every day?" And she's four years old, so you know her R's aren't rolling quite the way she, you know mm-hmm, adults do. Mm-hmm. It is adorable, but the point is, she is asking the hard hitting questions. Now, on the other hand. She's still she's, being exploited herself, yes. She's being exploited herself because she is a child. But it is adorable, and she's asking the questions that I want to know. So she is my queen. She is my Yas queen. I don't know her name, so I can't give her any props, but she is on the Fix of Black Jesus Facebook page if you want to know who I'm talking about. Okay. 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 All right. So this week, as a discussion topic, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. we wanted to talk about code switching. So... um. There's an interview with Dave Chappelle where he defines code switching in a, in a fashion that both Laura and I agree with. Mm-hmm. So his definition was to be able to effectively move between street vernacular and job interview speech or what linguists call African-American English and standard American English is to be able to code switch. I concur. I concur. So basically you can talk like you would speak at home with your family and talk like you would speak in a job interview whenever the the setting calls for it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So have you, do, will you say that you subscribe to code switching? Oh, 1,000%. 1,000. Um, I mean, my regular way of speaking doesn't require too much code switching. If anything, I think it stemmed from me having a lot of family in the South and then going back to Piscataway, New Jersey and like having those two different ways of speaking more so than it did necessarily having a way of speaking with black folks versus a way of speaking with white folks, if that makes sense. For me, it's more the way I talk with my friends and family versus how I speak in a conference room, generally with white people in it. Simply because I work in a white industry or an industry that is very white. But for the most part, it has to do with my face, not so much my Mm. speech. (laughs) You code switch your face? (laughs) I code switch my face. I can't allow these emotions to be read on my face. Like I can't do the what the F face every two minutes in the meeting when I don't agree with such and such, which I would do. 
if I was talking to my friends and family because they know how I feel. Sure do. They sure know. do. They know. So in in essence, it's just a little Aisha that's in my head saying, "Lord, watch your face, girl. Watch your face. That man ain't gonna like that, Laura." Because I recognize that if they see that, that's not gonna work in my favor, unfortunately. So yeah, it's unfortunately, navigating, it's navigating through the white world, if you will, is what code switching is for me. But I, I mean, I know we had um. What was that curriculum that you had found? I don't even oh, think we Jesus. should call we should make, call it out by name, but you found a curriculum? Toggle talk. <laughs> so there's this lady, her name is Holly Craig, and was she in Michigan, I think? And um, she discovered that, she's a teacher, and she discovered that working with African-American students, these are her words, mm -hmm. um, that it was challenging to get them to do their work well, because in her thoughts, she felt like they were constantly being corrected and, sh and shut down for the way that they speak. So instead of correcting them, she took it upon herself to come up with this curriculum on how to teach them how to code switch. So this all sounds a bit honorable up until this point. Like, I feel like you're just trying to teach people how to navigate through the world. Right. But please continue, Aisha. Tell us more about this curriculum. Um, there are learning aids and like workbooks and it's been funded. I don't I don't know how it's doing now. This article is from 2014, mm -hmm. but it was funded by the Department of Education, the U.S. Department of Education. Um, and it seems well intentioned, but a little misguided. I'm gonna call it a lot of bit misguided. And yes, a lot of bit misguided. I'm, I'm I'm trying to be reasonable here. Um, but yeah, I think I don't know. I think we said enough about it. I don't think we need to go too deeply into this toggle talk thing. It's foolishness. I think we should let it go. <laughs> Do you have any examples of code switching that maybe the people in the back could perhaps relate to? Um, <clears throat> I think the most recent big example of code switching that I recall seeing, um was on insecure um so we're rashida the, yes well all the main characters are black and they all kind of code switched in their own way mm -hmm. so molly was a lawyer so when she was in her office she was very professional she had her becky voice which we can talk about if you would like <laughs> and um when she was with her best friend isa when she was dating she dropped her Becky voice and was herself. She was dropped like, she voice. was originally from the hood. She'd never been to the beach. Like she, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. until she was an adult, like she was herself mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. herself wasn't net. It, it, see, that's, I think that's a good question. Like what is herself? Like, mm -hmm. are you not being yourself when you're code switching? Um, I think that is a good devil's advocate question. Are you not being yourself? I don't feel like I'm not being myself. I feel like that's just another part of me. I feel like, I mean, in linguistics, yeah, code switching is speaking, like exchanging between one language and another language, like interchangeably, like being able to go back and oh, forth. Which I think I do even in, I will say the conference room, in the boardroom, um, where sometimes I do find myself having to define a term that I just use that I would normally use on a block, we'll say. On the block. On the block versus using in the boardroom because people give me the confused faces like, part what what was that one laura um but i do think it is in fact still being yourself i will equate it to the way i present when i'm with you for example with you aisha is going to be different than the way i present even if i'm with a good friend like mundo because 
like the way you and I jive is <laughs> jive, different. Yeah. It's different than how I jive with Mundo. And the things I talk about with Mundo are gonna differ from what I talk about with you. So I'm just I may be speaking the same way, but the topics and how I interact with you are gonna be different. Um and I still think I'm being my authentic self. It's just a certain yeah. facet of myself that I'm showing when I'm with you versus with someone else. Well, I think there's also this, and that could be, you know, us as black folks being um, ignorant to the ways of white people. Mm-hmm. But there's often this portrayal of white folks as very being very granola and plain and like consistently one way. Mm-hmm. I don't know how they live when they're not around me. I can That's make assumptions, true. but whatever. But I think this idea of code switching, of having to be able to fit into these different communities or not having to be able to, but just being able to mm-hmm. fit mm-hmm. into these different communities are just a part of who we are and a part of how we've been raised and a part of how we've grown as humans. Although, and, yeah, I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. What was your although? Although I do have a person in my life who, and again, I'm gonna use the term, the way he spoke on the block was the way he spoke in the classroom, was the way he spoke at work. And he worked in a, I mean, I won't say what industry it is because I don't need him to know I'm talking about him. But the point is- Was he white or? Oh, nah, he was Latino. Well, actually he was, he's, oh, I can't use the term. I can't say that because we said that was racist. Um, He- Now I'm very curious. (laughs) (laughs) He's a havesy. Is he biracial, Laura? He's, there we go. That's the word. He's biracial. Oh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> Pray for me. Pray for me. Um, he's biracial, but like I'm saying, the point being, whether you were he was speaking to an executive at a company, he was speaking to a customer, he was speaking to a professor or a teacher. He was always the same. He was always the same. However, when I tell you he was one of the brightest people that I know to date where he was getting straight A's his, you know, he could write an English paper in two, you know, in two hours and get an A on that paper and write that in perfect English, if you will, quote unquote, you know, grammatically correct and so forth. But that's just not how he presented outside of on paper because he knew it was necessary for doing on paper, but he managed his speech differently than he did his writing. So he felt comfortable enough with however it was that he spoke that he didn't feel the need to camouflage, if you will, as best as he could into these other different kind of communities. And I guess that also begs the question of, like, I would ask him why he felt, like, who does he think he is that he doesn't feel the need to do that? Um, Because, again, bringing up the example of Insecure, there was a character, Rashida, mm-hmm. who was a summer intern at the lawyer offices or the law offices where Molly worked. And she was like real loud, what folks would maybe refer to as ratchet or hood, like just real vocal and like animated. And um, I wouldn't define Rashida as being ratchet. I wouldn't define well, her as being ratchet, but oh, I know but people, people in the back would. Becky would. I know people Becky who would. would. Yeah. yeah. She wasn't ratchet at all. Um, but wasn't mild mannered by any means. True. And um, Molly, you know, pulled about a little coattail and was like, hey, um, I understand why you talk that way, but you might want to consider while you're here, you know, putting on the little show that we have to put on for mm-hmm. these white folks because they don't necessarily appreciate that type of behavior. Yeah. And Rashida literally clapped back at her and was just like, 
I have never done that in my life and I'm not going to start doing it now. Yeah, I am she that in the interview. She was as she yeah. was in that moment. And it's like, well, why would I have to change it up now? She's that like, I've had all of my successes being completely like this. And that is what I'm going to continue to do. Spoiler alert. If you haven't seen Insecure, I'm sorry. That's not my fault. But she was let go mm -hmm. eventually because Rashida was fired. Rashida was fired because they weren't here for her authentic self oh speaking of code switching this is not linguistic code switching but hair code switching so on oh, the fix it black jesus instagram we posted a photo that was a before and after and it, it read um me before me during the interview which is a woman with it's a black woman so, so we can presume yeah it's a black woman with straight hair um you can i believe it was a weave the point is her hair was straight eurocentric beauty was being honored there if you will anyhow um and then the after is a black woman with a fro. Mm -hmm. And so that's her after the job interview. Have you ever felt that you could do something like that? Yes. Well, that's a big part of my hair anxiety. We talked about this a while ago. That's like true. you have big hair. So big I have very big hair. And you know, when I was a kid, people would make fun of it or like question it. They're like, what's wrong with your hair? Or well, you need to tame it was usually the words that were used. Or was this always like, or just in Piscataway? This was everywhere. That was everywhere. Like, how do you like, well, that was the... that was before the natural hair movement. Fair enough. When big curly hair was not as celebrated as it is now, it seems like in recent times, black women have like started to embrace mm -hmm. what is on our heads, and I'm I'm here for it. Oh, um, as am I. Oh, and sorry, along those lines, because yeah, tangents forever. Um, Pantene Pro V. I'm going to say the industry has taken note of this because apparently relaxers, perms, you know, the like have decreased in sales so much so that the big companies are starting to notice like, wait a minute, we need to make sure we're still making a quick buck out here off these black women who will spend a million billion dollars on hair care products. And now Pantene has even done this commercial that celebrates the black woman and her hair and the different textures. So you'll see a, a straight haired woman, but black woman, but you'll see mostly, I'm gonna say 85% of them were wearing their natural texture. Um, I have, I think I spoke about this at my current job. When I had shown up, I had an impromptu interview because I definitely was preparing myself for that during the interview, my hair would have been laid in some twist or something of the sort, but it was in fact in a shrunken fro and during my impromptu interview. And I still got the job, which for me allowed me to feel more comfortable showing up as my myself, like the way my hair just grows out my head. Um, but I never had thought to do that in New York. In New York, I never thought twice about that kind of thing. If I have a fro today, or if I have braids this day, or if my hair is in twists this day, it was what it was. Well, I feel like you did. You start working at the Y. In your youths, like had you yeah, I was seventeen. Go? So they and knew I, yeah, you they were. already knew me. Yeah, they already, they already knew, knew me. you were. You didn't. Oh, yeah. There was nothing to hide. No. Nah. And I feel like by the time you left the Y, you were already a pretty public enough persona that everybody knew who you were. That that was hiring you. She comes with an afro sometimes. She comes with an afro. <laughs> Whatever. It um, is what it is. I mean, it, it didn't not it didn't not come with the questions or the usual like, wow, your hair is broke, your hair is cut today, or wow, your hair grew so long the other day. Of course. But with that said, we did get some responses to that post on Instagram, and a couple of the people who did respond were from New York, mm -hmm. and they both said that they have done the the hair code switch. Where one said, 
<laughs> she said, I showed up at the interview with the wig. And on my first day, I showed up with the fro with some black power. And I was like, all right, then. And I mean, it's, I mean, yeah. Yeah. And then the other person said she has done it before, too. And more so as a precaution, because she didn't know whether or not it was necessary. But it's kind of like if, you know, to go back to interview speak, you know, trying to put your best foot forward. And she may have perceived her best foot being the one that's going to be more acceptable, which is going to be more towards what Eurocentric beauty standards are, which is straight hair or whatever the case is. I mean, so I feel that. like I have my like professional look, if you'll mm -hmm. call it that. And mm -hmm. it often involves either pulling my hair back or making sure that my hair takes the shape of something familiar. So like, like you know how, like, well, even if it's down, like it takes the, takes the shape of something that's not just a fro, like not all over the place. Got so you. like, I'll, you can't tuck look like a... I'll tuck it behind my ears or like something very mm -hmm. like tame. And so I also had this fear that the children will be frightened by my big hair, which I don't know if that sounds ridiculous or not, but if you can imagine that most of the places that I work at now are filled with people or are filled with toddlers who probably haven't encountered very many black people in their lifetime. Mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. if they have encountered black people in their lifetime, there's nothing to say that they've en encountered black people with large hair in their lifetime. Sure, sure. And sure. so when I do wear my hair out at work, which I've decided that I'm more comfortable doing now, the kids always commented on it as kids do. Mm -hmm. But I felt inclined to keep it tame until there was a little black girl who's from Ghana and mm -hmm. her mom does her hair in little black girl styles with like the, the beads and the, beads and the bobbles yeah. and the, all the things and like the little kids were so fascinated by it and I'm just I like, love it I love man, it man I don't want this little girl to like feel alone and I mm -hmm. want her to like embrace that and I think it's really great that some days she just lets her hair fly. Yeah. And we don't have the same texture hair at all. Mm -hmm, um, mm -hmm. But I guess in a way that little girl gave me confidence to oh. wear my hair the way I wanted to. I'm working with kids for Christ's sake. Like there's no reason that I should feel this way. Yeah, but I get what you mean. Sure. Um, You're an anxious human. I am an anxious human and that's my own problem. But um, there was a story recently where there was a little girl in- Brazil. Brazil, yeah. Mm -hmm. And the little boy made fun of her and said that her she was ugly or something. Her hair yeah. was ugly. And so the teacher came the next day and wore the same hairstyle. And they had very similar hair textures. And mm -hmm. it was really cool and a beautiful moment. Um, I think that was yeah, in Sao Paulo, Brazil, where being black is an issue. But yeah, moving on. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but this idea of like even code switching your appearance to like, like what defines professional? Yep. Like we have these Eurocentric ideas of both beauty and standards of professionalism that sometimes it's hard to conform to if your hair wants to do something different that day, or if your wardrobe is a certain way, you know, like, like I don't if know, I have a dashiki in my wardrobe, like I can't wear that to the job interview. What, but why not? Like, I, I would feel, I, I probably, if the stakes were high. Oh, I wouldn't do it. But I'm, I'll put it this way. I would wear something that was made of say of like a kente cloth. So like a, a cloth, like a fabric that was African print, but took the shape of. A suit. 
a suit or like say slacks. Like I would wear some, but I would not necessarily wear like the proud African princess garb that like the proud, did you want? Nope, gonna, nope, I'm gonna stop that tangent. The point is I wouldn't necessarily wear a headdress that day because mm-hmm. I know that that might be making too bold of a statement for my would-be employer. Well, that going back like between that and the language thing, Mm-hmm. When did we decide that the way that people speak and the way that people dress def- defines their intelligence or their capability levels? And like this can go for jobs that have nothing to do with that kind of stuff. Like, sure. fine, if you're working in the law offices of Weinstein and Weinstein and they want you to wear a suit and a tie or a suit and whatever. That- Weinstein sound Jer- Jewish. Don't they wear yarmulkes? I'm saying. Just saying. Side note, speaking of code switching, Jewish folks do that too, okay? I worked for somebody with the last name Goldberg and he changed his name to like John Smith or something of the sort because he ain't want nobody to know he was Jewish. Yeah, I feel Um, like that's more than code switching. That is trying to change your, ooh, the the lines are blurred. Yeah, because it's like, that's just trying to change your identity, but that could also be what, code switching is because you want people to think of you in a particular way which might disassociate you from your culture which in this case might be Goldberg or it could be that my name is Laura from the block in the South Bronx and I don't want you to necessarily hear my quote-unquote accent that I don't hear but other people do but yeah in your head do you, is your name Laura or is it Laura no my name is Laura right is that people, not another case oh, of that it, actually the main reason why I introduce my name to people as Laura is because they most often mispronounce Laura. And I would rather you call me Laura and say that correctly than to mispronounce Laura. Yeah, but technically that's not your name, is it? That's not how my mama says it. I don't think she's ever said Laura in her life, actually. That's like somebody being named Alicia oh. versus Alicia or something like where it's spelled the same way, it's but funny pronounced because differently. I'm a huge advocate. And even like, I will force this almost. Like when I used to work at the Y, I remember someone told me their last name was the Jesus. And I was like, excuse me? And I gave him the side eye. I'm like, you mean the Jesus? And I I said it just like that. And so now here I am telling someone how to pronounce their Their name. name. Mm -hmm. Because I'm like, why are you whiteifying your name for me? Don't be put, I'm not Becky. You can tell me Was it the Jesus? It was, no, it was the Jesus. But (laughs) they, I'm sure, just have had to walk through life saying their name is the Jesus because that's how their teacher pronounced it in third grade. But Which is some... You know what it is. (laughs) And there are people in my life who I will not identify, but they've had children and they would, they they have like, and I'm sure you in Piscataway, you mentioned how many Asian Americans were there, have their American name, quote unquote, and like. A Chinese name or a different Korean name or something like that. Because I remember in high school, yeah, there was a girl who I called Amy, who she's, she, she and I were good friends in high school and we still cool. We Facebook friends. Hey, Amy. Um. And I remember one day we were in school and they said her actual name. And uh-huh. I was like, the fuck? Like, that was my face. I never said that out loud. But I looked and I was like, that's that your you? name? So then let me talk, let me call you by your name. Well, one of the kids that I'm teaching now, he don't speak not a whole lot of English. He's learning. Mm-hmm. He is Chinese. Mm-hmm. He had a Chinese name three mm-hmm. weeks ago. And then two weeks ago, they were like, you can call this kid. Let's call it Matthew because it was a biblical name. Mm-hmm. All of a sudden. Wait, who made that decision? Was it the school? Or the I have parents? no idea who made that I really decision. hope that was the parents. And I did not ask any questions because that's not my place. Mm-hmm. But I 
I, you know, I grew up with a bunch of people who had, you know, Chinese names and American names, but I'd never had the transition happen before my very yeah, eyes. Like, wait a minute, but where, last week you were somebody else. Yeah, where one week you're this and next week we're calling you something completely different. It's like, but that is not his name. Um, so wait, is am I now being presented with a challenge where I need to go to my people and be like, I'm sorry, you call me Laura? I feel that is your decision. You can do whatever you want. I know, I'm but just I feel like, like I'm being a hypocrite by making sure, like, whenever someone comes to the shop and I know that their name is, you know, it was originally spoken in Spanish, I will pronounce it as such. And I'm, again, such a stickler for that. But I give people that pass that I don't want other people to give the white people which is to give them the English version of their name. Yeah. I mean, I hate when people are like, oh, my name is such and such, but you can just call me this. Yeah, I'm like, and no, I'll call I always you ask, and, and I was like, okay, well, is that what you would like to be called? Or is yeah, that what, what people prefer? call you because it's easier? Mm-hmm. And sometimes their names are not that hard. <laughs> it's just you haven't heard it in English, but you've never had to say that word before. And I make them say it a couple times, and then we get it. Yeah. Like, your name is worth worth learning. You're you are a person. You are important. I feel and like this- you're talking to me right now. Oh, my gosh. Because I just had this conversation with someone. Someone thanked me for saying their name correctly because I, it was a name I was not familiar with. And I'm like, I'm sorry, will you pronounce your name for me? And they said it. And I was like, one more time. And then I repeated it back and he's like, yeah, that's it. And so I said his name probably four times during the conversation to sort of just, you know, reinforce I love when people ask me. Loved it. He was like, thank you so much for just saying my name. And I'm like, it's your name. <laughs> like, why wouldn't I? I love when people ask me. They ask me all the time. Is it Aisha? Is it Aisha? Is it Ayesha? Like, how do you say your name? Thank, Thank you, for, you asking. for asking. Yeah. I will. Now I can tell you. And now I know you care enough to say it correctly. <sighs> all right. All right. Um, so code switching because, you know, tangents. Um, <laughs> I think we all do it um, from our language, from our mannerisms, from the style, the way we dress, to even how you introduce yourself, um, we mm-hmm. have been programmed to think that we have to fit into these forms, like transform ourselves into a different um, part of ourselves in order to please and appease the people around us. Like um, even just the way I talk, mm-hmm. like I have a, you know, we, we talked about this. I have a pretty- You have a Becky voice? Oh, my bad. But no, but I have like a super Becky voice. Yeah, I got a super Becky voice too. Like a super Becky voice. My phone voice, they're really Becky. People Um, get fooled, I'm sure, when they meet you and they're like, wait. I called, my sister used to live in Georgia. Mm -hmm. And like beyond having a Becky voice or beyond having whatever, I don't have a super Southern accent. Mm -hmm. Either way, I called, her roommate answered the phone and she goes, Hey, Chantel, some white lady on the phone. And I died. Oh, shit. <laughs> I died right there. Wow. <laughs> in my hand, I just. Okay. Died, just in that moment. It was the end. <laughs> I, want people to, I wish people could see you just having seen. reenacted your death there for me. Uh, wow. I died. It was over. I had no, there's no need for me to continue. I was just like, oh, oh my God. Then. And like. Oh. It's one thing when white folks tell you you sound white. Oh, when your own people? I'm just like, damn, yo, like, See, really? Yeah. <laughs> I will say my phone voice is, there is, my Becky comes on, on the telephone. In particular, in particular. Especially in professional settings. Yes. If I'm at work, I am, hello there, thank you for calling yada yada. How am I looking today? <laughs> like, yep, that is me. That I definitely turn on the Becky on the phone. 
Mm-hmm. And it's well, we because we've been taught we have to. Yeah, you're we right. It's to, unlearning we these have systems. To appear as, for lack of a better term, white as possible mm-hmm. in order to stand a chance, especially in a job interview. Because not only do I have to overcome whatever the requirements you already want are, I also have to overcome my blackness and get you yeah. to ignore that. I need you to ignore my you, blackness. Oh, that is so real. I need you to ignore my so blackness. You can actually see, just pay oh. attention to every other part of me. So yeah. you know that I'm actually qualified for this position. And I that's do- that's assuming you get through the door because your name is Aisha and they saw that on See, your that's on where your the resume. Becky voice comes in yep. and like the ability to write well and the beautiful I resume. I am so sure that someone has said in their lifetime after interviewing you like, oh, her name is Aisha, but she'll fit in. Like, oh, I'm I have, so, because I'm I sure that's happened with me. surprised looks when I've walked through the door. Like, mm-hmm. this is not what I was expecting. Because mm-hmm. my name is also a Muslim name. So- they don't oh, know yeah, if I'm sure. black or if I'm like Middle Eastern or what's about to walk through that door. Because sure. McGowan, yeah, could be that could be any, yeah. They, like, they have no idea what's about to happen. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. then I walk in and they're like, oh, okay, all right. Um, Let's see how this is going to go. <laughs> and I haven't decided if that's why I smile so much. I don't know if part of it is like a nervous, like, hey, I'm really friendly. Like, um, Oh, that makes I'm me comfortable really because I, I smile a lot. But I am really friendly. Yeah, I am really friendly, but I think part of it started and originated from this desire to like feel less, like appear less threatening. Less threatening to people. I mean, mm-hmm. that's a daily struggle to appear less threatening. Mm-hmm. Um, that's why the fro doesn't come out every day because I know that that could be considered as threatening to others. It's really fun trying to analyze like what parts of yourself are you and what parts of yourself are because you are afraid. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, Let's ask people a question about that. Um, tell us a story of like a time that you code switched or like what you do to like fit in or prepare for a job interview or like times where you have had to like f- feed into that duality of yourself to get it done. Like it's all about getting it done. It's all about gaining that access into a world where you wouldn't have otherwise. And I know that it's that because when I look around, there ain't a whole lot of folks that look like me. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And if so, I got to be the first one that look like me to allow for other people to feel comfortable in this space, then I feel like me. I will make those sacrifices of having to hinder some parts of myself, my personality, so that they're like, oh, well, this one's okay. And by this one, I mean this black person. Yep. Mm-hmm. So then they'll let another black person come in. But Laura, do you feel like at a certain point, it's selling out. Because that's like, like when I was saying earlier, where it's like, I don't really feel like I'm trying to be somebody else. I just feel like this is another part of me. Like if I was bi- actually bilingual and I spoke a different language or if I, you know, had a different culture, you know, it, it's not me trying to pretend to be Becky. It's not me trying to pretend to be somebody else. It's just another part of who I am. I'm going to say no with the caveat of I don't feel that it's selling out again I feel like it's presenting the parts of myself that are needed to do this job at that particular point in time so long as my oh but that's not even true I was gonna say so long as my instinct isn't to do one other thing is not to do one thing that I would normally do on the block but I feel like those instincts. But then I feel are like that like, just is professionalism like I would like the way I want to talk to a customer when they come out their face to me and the way I would respond if they were in my house versus if I'm at work, because I want to keep this job, whether I am black, brown, or otherwise, if I'm white, I'm sure we all have those moments where it's like, it's not appropriate to cuss someone out. So I'm not going to do this. And that's not a black thing. That's just a, 
because I want to keep my job thing. Um, mm -hmm, mm -hmm, so no, mm -hmm. I don't think it's necessarily selling out, especially as you get to stay in that particular space for long enough and people recognize like, oh, there is a duality to you. And I know that outside of work, you might present differently. Like when I go to work on my days off, oh, I got my Black Panther shirt on. I got my fro. I mean, I wear my fro at work too. I this is who I is. Exactly. And it's like, this is who I am. I ain't on a clock. I can be this person and it's going to be all right. I can be this version of myself. So no, I don't think it's selling out. However, along those lines and to sort of transition into the next conversation, which is about four to five, would you, Aisha McGowan, join 45's administration if, this is the way it was put up to me. This was how the question was shared with me. So they were, you were told you can join 45's administration to be a part of their transportation committee board, if you will, mm -hmm. where you will in fact be able to fund the projects you want to fund. Mm -hmm. You will be able to make the things you want to happen, happen for your community, whether that's a local community, federal community, so forth and so on. But you have to be a part of 45's board, like transportation committee or whatever the committees are going to be called there. Would you do it? My initial instinct is to say no, but my, like, for the better good of the community instinct wants to say, I'm going to need everything in writing. <laughs> like, if you you're telling, like, 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 all the things that you said I can do mm -hmm. in writing, mm -hmm. I'm going to need it signed by every single person. Mm -hmm. who I would have to go through to get it done. Mm -hmm. I need everybody to understand what we're agreeing to here. And even then I probably still wouldn't do it, but I would consider it if there was some stuff on paper. I, I don't trust none of these folks. I don't trust none see, of them. So this was, my response was very, very, very similar. I was like, I'm gonna need this on paper. I'm gonna need everybody named mama to sign it. Mm -hmm. I ain't taking no pictures with that man unless I'm on the, nah. unless it's like eight of us in the picture and I'm the one all the way on the far opposite end. That would have to be in writing as well. And, but my answer was yes, because if it's not me who's working for my community, who will? And is it someone that in fact signs on to 45's ideals? Because if it is, then they're not coming from my community. They're not doing for my community the way I can do for my community. So if I, so the point being, we do need people that look like us and to an extent think like us, because I also would want people that think even grander ideas than I do, of course, to be a part of that administration, regardless of who is at the forefront. It's the people that are turning those cogs, which we know there are issues. I will never deny that. I don't want that man to be my president. However, when it comes to even at the federal level, who is a part of these particular boards and committees and so forth, I wanna see black faces. I wanna see people that look like me and I need us as a community not to make that person feel like a sellout for being a part of his administration. Cause it's one thing to be a part of the administration and it's a whole nother thing to be selling out and being an uncle Tom for him. I would do it if I could bring a whole bunch of my folks with me. Can I bring, can, so like, can I have, so like, a, can I have a staff that oh, reflects? Well, like yes, the answer is yes. Cause that, like, the answer is yes, yes, you can bring would, people. I, I don't know, I would need way more time to think about it, but. Oh, I'm sure it would not be something you need to answer in five minutes. <laughs> but yes. my initial in my initial instinct is that I don't trust them enough to do the things that they said they w would do if I worked there. Fair enough. Because they are known for throwing folks under the bus Hell yeah. with zero thoughts about it. Hell and yeah, because you know if some shit hits the fan, they're going to be like, oh, it's Aisha's fault. Aisha's yeah. the one who said 
that she wanted this and you ain't even a part of that department. Like what? I had I could not be effective if they get rid of me right away. You know, mm-hmm. if they would just wanted to hire me to have a black face smiling for a week and then they found a reason that I don't need to be there. Anymore. No, we'll like, say you will be there for the four whole years, ma'am. The whole entirety of his one term that he will be having. Mm. He will be there for the four years and you can be as effective as you need to be and you can bring the whole squad with you. Obviously, so, I'm painting a picture that probably does not actually exist for anyone, but this is because I'm saying if the cards were cut in your favor, would you do it? I still feel like in some way it's still supporting 45 and I never, ever want to do that. <laughs> but um, again, so would you rather, I'll phrase the question differently, would you rather there be no one showing up for your people or that you have to be the one to show up for your people. You have to remember that I also didn't vote for Hillary Clinton. I didn't vote for Trump, but I also didn't That's vote for Hillary Clinton. conversation that I don't want to get into right now. But what um, I'm saying is the reasons are similar, where I felt like in this democracy, I should be able to have the choice to, to vote for who I want to vote and not but because there are no other options. And I feel like I don't want to feel like you have to be the person to show up for your people. Not to be the person no to show up for my people. I don't even know that that would be what it would what Ma'am, it is. I'm telling you that's what it is. But I'm that's never what it is when you're the okay, one person showing up I'm, in a Trump administration. I'm asking. If it was anybody in, else. In my ut- actually, my utopia wouldn't have a Trump administration. Mm-hmm. In, my u- in my altered utopia, where Trump has to be the face of it all, mm-hmm. you have to let him pretend that he actually has some say in things, would you be a part of that administration? Not this one. Not as it is. I couldn't do it. All right. Let's move on to the next thing. <laughs> All right. <laughs> um, what's the next thing? I hear there was a day without women. <laughs> oh, yeah. That was a really long time ago. No, it wasn't. It was only like two and a half weeks ago. That's a long time ago. It was when I was in Santa Barbara. What was that? March? March something. March something. Okay. I mean, I went to work, but... It was also International Women's Day, but I don't remember. March 8th? March 8th, was that it? Yeah, I know when International Women's Day is. Yes, it was the same day. And so the idea was that we were trying to show them. Who's we? The women's. Mm. Collectively, all of the people who identify as women's. Sure. um, Without getting into a deeper argument. Mm -hmm. We're trying to show the men's, I guess. Mm -hmm. We're going to lump them together, too. What it would be like if. (laughs) the women's didn't show up mm-hmm. like if there were no women's but most of the women's had to go to work so it was like okay your choices were don't go to work don't do like just pretty much don't do anything for free or for pay mm-hmm. or if you have to go to work wear red and before this even happened i was like this is gonna be a whole bunch of women's walking around wearing wet wearing red because most of the women's i know have to go to work I don't feel, I mean, definitely there there are always people that are going to make the choice that they have to show up in that way. Admittedly, I feel that if it would have been, because I participated in something similarly in October and November, which was a day without black people. Mm -hmm. Um, And admittedly, I recognize that the effects of that would be minimal, in particular, if it wasn't a majority of black people in this case a majority of women that were not showing up to work and or if it were in fact only one day because generally speaking if someone at work doesn't show up for a day we ain't gonna die there might be a little small fire but we ain't gonna die but if it would have been a week 
like Montgomery boycott. Exactly. That's like, that where was like impact, over a year. It was like that's where the impact is truly felt. But that's also where we as a people and by people, I'm actually talking about the black folks. But yeah, women, too, because as I probably said before, I see myself first as a black person and then I'm a woman. Um, and that is in order for those effects to be felt. Yeah, it had to have been on over a long period of time. I mean, I think it was I don't mm, I feel some mm, I'm going to say it. I think it was cute. It was but, cute. It was a cute idea. It was a good idea. No, but. but see, when I say cute, I say it the way that men say it to women when they do something that they feel that they they're, they shouldn't be capable of. Like, oh, that was cute that she did that. That's how I feel about this. As in, I'm not taking it as seriously what as you probably intended. To organize something that would actually be effective on that I mean, level. You would need community buy-in. You would need the community. So let's say we were just doing this a city at a time. So let's say it was just California that was doing a day without women. There would have to be, of course, organizing that would have occur at a very local level where we're also going to be compiling resources with one another. Because like you said at the beginning of the conversation, there are people who can't not show up to work because bills need to get paid, babies need to be fed, things of that sort. So resources would have to be compiled where because I'm not showing up to work this day, do we have a fund for when I need to pay the rent and I'm short $70 because... I didn't go up to work and I didn't have any paid time off to do this. So well, I think it would have to be, it would have to be community buy-in and community res uh, allowing for resources to be shared amongst one another in order to allow for that to be effective the way we want that to be effective. Well, with the um, bus boycott, which is mm -hmm. probably the best example of an effective boycott that we know of in recent history, mm -hmm. um, the community really, really came together. Like, People were, were giving each other rides. There were flyers. There were rides being given. They were like, walking. Like people were walking together. Yeah, they were. were they were committed. Yep. And I don't feel like folks are committed um, to any one particular cause, and that's probably because we don't know what we like, can't agree. We can't agree on what we're fighting for. Um, as far as the, we can't even agree who's women's, like who's considered a women's. Yeah. Who's considered a women's. You're right. You're right. Like, so, wait, so like, who, who shows up? It does, does the trans man show up? Because it, does, because they are, do they count as women's? Like who is they, the women's? I, I'm sure. I mean, actually I'm not sure, but I think the, the easy answer is no, because that, individual sees them is a man they see themselves as a man they present as a man to themselves they are a man and therefore they are a man but yeah i feel like this conversation could go a totally different way if we continue talking about how people identify versus how mm -hmm. they are seen um and everyone i feel has the right to do you boo but um i feel like it was a blink in the week and it's been forgotten already because I think like people also wear red in February for like heart health or something. I don't know. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it, I remember that day. I remember someone wishing me a happy women's day and I was like, Whoa, and I got flowers and such. Mind you, this was at work when I was in Santa Barbara um, working with this great company that was awesome to be with. One of my students wore red tights. <laughs> Good for them. I don't remember she, what I wore. And she told me why. And I said, oh, oh no, I remember I wore my shirt that says women mean business. That's right. Go. I wore my women mean business shirt. And I worked my little tail off that day and kept on keeping on. Cause I just, yeah. All right. Um, so since the time that I wanted to talk about this and now, 
Uh, the best healthcare plan of 2017 has already been shot down. down. So we're not even going to talk about it. Um, On to the next. <laughs> so in regards to 45, my I think the only other contribution I have is Jeff, Jeff Sessions. <sighs> so prisons in America. Let me try and make this as succinct as possible. <laughs> prisons in America are another form of slavery. We will, let's all pretend to agree with that point. With that said, in particular, privatizing prisons has allowed for that to be the case because now prisons are in fact for profit more so than they've ever been when they were not profiting private companies. So the the Obama administration wanted to change this longstanding policy where in fact, this was back in August where they wanted to not, they wanted not to renew any of the federal contracts with private prisons. And Jeff Sessions, he said, quote, memoranda, uh, sorry, memorandum changed longstanding policy and practice and impaired the Bureau's ability to meet the future needs of the federal correction system. So there was the little ray of sunshine, a little bit of hope, a little ray of hope that we may have had that we were no longer going to be privatizing prisons um, as per the Obama administration, where Jeff Sessions, who's the attorney general, by the way, he was like, no, nah, we ain't doing that. And so he like redacted that, if you will, and was like, no, nah, we're still going to be doing this, which means that we're not, in fact, making the sort of progress we thought we would be making with private. So basically, the prisons are being paid to make sure that they have prisoners and they get those prisoners from our communities. Pretty much. Pretty much. Regardless of what our communities are doing, they are penalizing people for petty crimes just so, petty crimes are no crimes at all, just so they have people to put in these prisons so the prisons make money and the rich folks who are funding the prisons make money and it's just a vicious cycle of ridiculousness. Absolutely. Did you watch, what season of The Wire was that? Where they um, privatized the prison and that affected like the healthcare. It what was the big thing that was happening? That was... Like there's the one with the kids, the one with no, the dogs, the one, the the one with. This was just the one in the prison that it was just. Who was the main characters? Um, I don't. Was know. it the one where we got we saw um, what's his face? Uh, yes, and L O Cool J was there. He Wait, L O Cool J was in the wire. Why don't yes. I remember this? It was season. I'm gonna have to go back. You gonna have to go back and watch season whatever it is that I'm watching. That might have been time. two. Oh my bad, wrong show. Oh. I'm talking about Oz. My bad. Oh, no. I was like, oh, it was not. <laughs> <laughs> my bad. Moving on. The point being, um, as you said, it in order to keep the man rich, the white man rich with the privatizing of his prisons, we need to keep people in the prisons because now he has Regardless an incentive. Of whether they've committed crimes or not. Exactly. And most of those people are black people. Mm-hmm. So sure is. Um, All right. Um. So Mike Flynn has decided that he's going to testify about um, the relations between um, the Trump administration and Russia. Yes, he is. But he's claiming immunity. He wants immunity. He wants immunity before he talks so he can't be prosecuted for anything he says. Mm -hmm. Um, So I believe Mike Flynn used to be the head of national security. Was that what he did? What did he do? For a couple weeks or so? (laughs) At least and with then, the Trump administration. And then 
did he resign or did they boot him? I don't know. I, I can't keep I can't keep up with these folks. Like with this, it's it's like watching a TV novella. It's like watching it's a like, freaking novella. Stories. It's, it's somebody's grandma's stories. I be watching yep. my stories every day, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and I can't keep up with who's still alive, who's in a coma, <laughs> <laughs> like, who's sleeping with who. Like ah, the tr- the forty five stories. Forty five. Yes, this is the forty five stories. These are the days of our lives. They really are. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so I'm really curious to know what we gonna learn. If it, if it if it works out, or yeah. if this man stays alive long, like I was gonna say, you think they gonna kill him? A, can we put a bubble around him? Serious. At least until the paperwork is signed, and we know either way. Because the way the movies not, tell me, the movies tell me he gonna tell me die. he's a target. Yeah, <laughs> him gonna die. Watch your back, Mike Flynn. Mm. And then last on my list for forty five, I know that this t- subject has been beaten into the ground, but I would just like to say that can we please stop funding these golf trips? These 45 trips to Mar-a-Lago or Mar-a-Lago or whatever it's called and come to the realization that this man is not doing work. I mean, the, like, I mean, how is he also, going on vacation weekly and we're over budget? And New York is funding for, you know, for them to be home able to girl, live in home girl in the sun. Yeah, like, pack, pack your things and move to Washington, okay? You and if you don't want to do that, then they need to fund that mess themselves. Yep. Let that be privately. I don't funded. think it should be the. I don't think it should be the country's responsibility to fund her desire to stay in New York. Nope. Like I agree, she could be an independent woman. She don't need to stand by her man's in the White House. That's fine. That's her business. Mm-hmm. But it has become our business because we paying for it. Exactly. Actually, I think it's New York City taxpayers. We don't pay New York City taxes. Oh, but we don't we don't do that no more. You right? We used to, but we used but to. But our people is paying for it, so I feel like I'm paying for it. <laughs> I was paying for that. So. And we're paying for Jared's business trips. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And all this stuff costs money. And they cutting they cutting meals on wheels, for Christ's sake. Like, apparently, if Wait, Home Girl would move to Washington, we could the- still feed the old folks. Wow. They're cutting meals on wheels for Melania? I mean, I don't know if that's specifically cutting it for but Melania. But nice, that would be a nice little, like, headline, though, right? This is probably where the Post figures out headlines. What sounds like it? What sounds good? Show me. It's a very sensationalist idea, yes. But the thing that's really frustrating is that the claim is that we don't have any money, right? There's no money for these programs. There's no money for the arts. There's no money for Meals on Wheels. There's no money for Medicare. There's no money for anything. Word. But we're finding money somewhere. Because well, Homegirl is going on vacation yeah. every week, and yep. Melania is chilling up in Trump Towers. So tell me how. All right. So moving on to good things mm-hmm. and money. Remember how you had spoken about this was a few months ago. Mm-hmm. These black women that had gone on a wine tour in Napa. Mm-hmm. In Napa. In and Napa. Then they were booted out for being too loud. loud. For being too loud. Mm-hmm. For being for being too boisterous. And apparently they sued and they got $11 million. Thank you, Black Jesus. Thank you, Black Jesus. I'm Thank clapping while Jesus. simultaneously making it rain. Mm. <laughs> um, with your hands. With your hands. Oh, yes, for sure. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> and you're done. All right. Let's actually move on to fix it, Black Jesus. Okay. Um. I think we're just going to have to do a rundown. Okay. Uh, so we're not here all day because last week's episode was two hours long and we ain't trying to repeat that. Yeah. Um, hmm. Okay. So concentration camps in America. 
I just want to remind people that this was a thing that occurred with the Japanese. We done this already. We done did this already. So and that's where we headed. It. Exactly. So I just want to remind people of this. I'm going to post a video on the Facebook for the people to be reminded, especially the newer generations of folk. I'm going to call them the millennials, which technically we are millennials. We are. But we're like older millennials. I want to say in the we're, range. We're still I want to range. We're also part of Generation Y, who I feel I am more comfortably aligning myself with. But the point being, um, we've done this already multiple times. Let's not walk in that direction. So please fix it, Black Jesus, because we are going to get... We're, moving closer towards that with these Muslim bans, things of that sort, where we're trying to put people in, in the same space at the same time. Segregation. Remember that? We've done this before. Let's not repeat history. On to the next. Um. So some school, I believe it was actually in New Jersey. No. I do no. believe it was in New Jersey. I apparently don't have the link here. But basically, these kids were studying um, I'm guessing they're studying slavery. It doesn't matter what they were studying. The assignment was that they had they had different things to choose from, and one of the choices was to create a slave auction poster. Nope. Like, nope. To draw it with a little children's hands. Please stop. And color it with a little children's Crayolas. Please stop. And then this was put on display at <gasps> the school. Oh, I see. So it. not I only see it. it was at South Mountain Elementary School in South Orange, New Jersey. And I know that some black folks in South Orange, New Jersey, you cannot convince me otherwise. Now, not only is this ridiculously terrible that you're making these, how old are they, fourth grade, fifth grade? I don't know. It's an elementary school, so let's say yes. So we're going to call them like nine, ten years old at most in elementary school. You're making these children or um, encouraging these children to create these slave posters and then you're putting them on display. So now imagine being a black child walking through the halls mm -hmm. and watching it and looking at little Johnny Smith, eight years old, because the, the apparently the posters were for kids their age. Oh my gosh. So you're looking at these kids that are about your age on auction to be sold as like human cattle. Lord How was mercy. that? And Ever actually, open. so one of the parents had posted that on Facebook, just essentially what you just stated. Um, but it was defended by the superintendent. His name is John. No, John Ramos defended the school project. We're going to call you Ramos because you don't get to have that. Your name is John Ramos. Oh, we disowned him. Okay. Yes, we are. He ain't at the cookout. Saying the assignment served to give students a more comprehensive understanding of colonial America. One of the anti-bias experts highlighted the fact that schools all over our country often skip over the more painful aspects of American history and that we are in need to do better job of acknowledging the uglier parts of our his of our past so that children learn the full history. John Ramos, kick rocks. I do believe that children should learn about slavery. Most certainly. I do believe that children should learn that people were sold as human cattle. Also. I don't agree with them drawing up their own slave auction posters and then putting them on display. No. Because, no. Just because, no. I'm not going to explain why that's a bad idea and why that's an insensitive <laughs> idea. I don't feel the need to explain that. If you don't get that, please turn off this podcast. We cannot help you. You are too Bye. far gone. Bye. You're too far gone. If you don't understand why that's a terrible idea, Bye. Black Jesus can't save you. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
let's let us move on. Let us move on to happier things. Um, you said that last time and it didn't get happier, Laura. Oh, you're right. I feel like I'm just breaking all my promises. Okay, so Black Creatives, Dave Chappelle released his, or Netflix released the Dave Chappelle specials. I watched the first one. I didn't quite get to the second one. Mm -hmm. I am going to say that Dave Chappelle has disappointed me. <gasps> really? I am not going to pretend it wasn't funny. I haven't watched it. Or parts of it weren't wasn't funny because mm -hmm. Dave Chappelle's a funny man. Fine, but there was a lot of like just really insensitive jokes, which is part He's of the course. Which is comedian. part of the course, but um, I think I've outgrown him. I don't think I'm here for it anymore. There was a lot of like transgender jokes, a lot of like Bill Cosby stuff. Um. Oh, I need just, to watch this. I need to watch it. It's my homework. A lot of like homophobic stuff. Like it was just I couldn't. I can't. I'm, I can't. I'm putting it on I can't list. support it. I'm, it's on my to do list. Watch Dave Chappelle. And tomorrow. you know, Dave, me and Dave, we go back as Dave with most bl black folks go back, or most mm -hmm. people go back. But I can't. I can't pretend like the things that he said was not like. Like because literally, I'm sitting there going, like, come on, Dave. Really, Dave? Damn, Dave. Dave. All right. Without having heard it but having an idea, would you say then that it is the responsibility of comedians to only say PC jokes? Um, it's then, not his responsibility, I guess, but it's also up to me as a human to not mm -hmm. continue to support it if I decide okay, that I- Okay, I can dig it. Like, I can't tell him what to do, and I'm not gonna no. try. You ain't his but I yet. feel like I feel like Dave Chappelle is funny enough that he didn't have to make those jokes to put together put together. They a were show. cheap. They were cheap shots. They were such cheap shots, and he's better. I think he's better than that. But apparently, he doesn't think so. So that's his business. <laughs> Moving on. Um, black creatives. Yes. So Star Trek is going to get its first black female lead. It is Sonequa Martin Green. Oh, that's a real Ooh. black name. Mm, she black. She got natural hair too. She's so. Uh, I, did you ever watch Walking Dead? She's on yes. Walking Dead. I forget her character's name. I haven't. I'm behind. She the one with the sword? No, that's Michonne. She is. Um, I don't know the other ones. Don't tell me about them. I haven't watched the last like three. She on Walking Dead, and she's okay. great. I enjoy her character, and she had like mm -hmm. a Love Jones with some. Um, there was some Jungle What's a Love Jones. Some people jungle, in the back. What's a love there was some Jungle Fever going on. It was great. Ah, swirl. Swirl. Yeah. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. She was down with the swirl. Y'all will get on. Okay, so Get Out, um, which we mentioned briefly last week, but we didn't really talk about. Um, I still haven't watched it. Maybe I should add that to my to-do list tomorrow. Please I need to watch, watch this movie. Things. I really want to talk about it. So okay. now that means I can't talk about it because you haven't watched it, Laura. No spoilers. Sorry. I'm sorry for being that person. Moving I'm writing on. on my to-do list. It's on my to-do list. <laughs> I will talk about that another week. Oh, did I tell you that uh, Beyonce, she's not going to be on Coachella? Well, we knew that because she's pregnant. Yeah, but I was really curious about it because we had learned that the one of the major funders of Coachella is, I believe, Anthony. Yeah, so I... But um, she's going to be there in 2018, so unless he's no longer supporting it, that's still... That is oh, still wait, she signed on to do 2018? Yeah. Um, she got a baby by then. Babies. 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 Wow. <laughs> <laughs> yes, the twins will have arrived. Yes. Um, okay. Okay. Uh, I guess let's move on to Buzz Hound. Okay. 
but not before we mention Kendrick Lamar. Oh, yes, because that's a positive thing. So Kendrick Lamar has released his new album. I actually don't know what the album is called, so you can look that up while I'm talking. But the single is called Humble, and he's released a video for it. And one of the lines in the song is like, I need a an ass with stretch marks or something like that. He said it because so the it's something about hold on, hold that thought because I actually had the link that I linked it and it has it cuts just to that part. Quote is I'm so effing sick and tired of the Photoshop. Show me something natural like Afro on Richard Pryor. Show me something natural like ass with some stretch marks. Still will take you down right to your mama's couch in polo socks. I um <laughs> Yeah, that is not usually what the rappers are talking about. No, they want that Photoshop. They, they want, the want Photoshop. you to look, quote unquote, perfect, if you will. And or in the least... video, mm-hmm. there is a clip of a, an ass with some stretch marks. So have you seen the video? I, I did, actually. I watched it earlier today. I stand corrected, though. Mm. The album doesn't drop until apparently next week. So we have to just soak in Humble. The single okay. from Kendrick Lamar. And just have to, we have to wait. Yes, we have to wait. Okay. It, it says y'all got till April the 7th to get y'all shit together. So right. that's enough time. We can get it together by then. Oh, okay. Wait. All right. I have one. I have one last for black creatives. Okay. Because y'all, I feel y'all. I feel like you ganging up on me. So you're y'all right now. Y'all are ganging up on me. All the things I need to watch. I need to watch Dave Chappelle. I need to watch Get Out. I'm going to watch them. Something I want to recommend you watch is American Crime Story, The People versus O.J. Simpson. Oh, my God. So much good, good. And all I'm going to say is, to end that note, and we, I feel like it's, uh, maybe we can make it a discussion topic, The People versus O.J. Simpson, um, and why O.J. got off. But Johnny Cochran says, nigga, please. That's all I need you to know. That's all I need you to know. That's what Johnny Cochran said. And I quote, end quote. All right, please watch. Please watch. It's on Netflix. It's obviously, you know, if you got Netflix, you can watch it. Okay. So, Buzz you go how. Buzz how. Mm-hmm. Buzz how. So, I bought the soap. I bought the true laundry detergent soap because, because black power. Okay. And I've been running out of, I had run out of toothpaste and I was looking for a natural alternative. Okay. I go and I'm looking for black people who make toothpaste. And of I, course. And I found it because I'm but. trying to, but. What I have realized is mm-hmm. buying black is like buying or can organic food in the it hood. Is or better I yet, get the toilet paper, but I gotta drive over to Marin or pay extra for shipping, and I don't want to do either. It's like buying organic food in the hood, or better yet, paying rent in your gentrified ass neighborhood. It's too damn high. I'm trying to go to a public school in a different district. It's just you can't do it, <laughs> Aisha. I I shit you not. A <laughs> bottle of mouthwash. Including the shipping was gonna be twenty eight dollars. <laughs> what the f- what I look like to you? I want to help my black man. I do. I do. I can't afford twenty eight dollars for no mouthwash. That's how they get us. That's how they get us. And so I'm not talking I, about the black man. That's I mean, not how they, they get us. No. That's how they trying to survive because that shipping costs them money. I get I'm it. sure it does. I'm, especially if it's natural. The ingredients you're sourcing. However, get on that distribute the distribution game like word. Cause can, like, I review, can I review some of your stuff? Can we have, nah, can we have like black co-ops? Like, can we have like, 
I wonder I if that know. exists already. I'm going to have to There's look it up. got to be. Well, I mean, sometimes you can get these things at like farmer's markets and stuff, but you live in Portland, so I'm not counting on that for you. Well, but what like, I did do, I did buy local, well, local-ish. In New York, I feel like local is anything made in the United States of America. Um, <laughs> so local-ish in that it came from Washington, and I bought this like natural toothpaste, natural, natural mouthwash. I even got a tongue scraper. If you have never scraped your tongue, get on it. There's some stuff living on your tongue, girl. Some, ooh, it's That's your disgusting. birthday on Sunday? Mm. Are you going to get me a tongue scraper for my birthday, Laura? I'm going to surprise you. I oh, can't Lord. tell you. Hee hee hee. Okay. I don't know how I feel about that. All Any right. house for you? Um, bus house. Okay. So as we just mentioned, shut up. As we just mentioned, <laughs> my birthday is on Sunday. And what I asked for from my husband on Sunday was to not have to make decisions. <laughs> Like, I don't want to have to, I don't want to have to decide what I'm going to do for my birthday. So he has figured it out. And a part of what he has decided is that I get a present every day between now and Sunday on my birthday. And I got my first present yesterday and it's really good. I'm really proud of him. He bought me this book. It's called Rad American Women A through Z written by Kate Schatz and illustrated by Miriam Klein Stahl. And it's got... 26 pages of women's from all walks of life, rich, poor, black, white, Latina, uh, Middle East, and otherwise, and otherwise, just everybody is represented musicians, athletes, scientists. Like, it's a very diverse group of folks, and it's a children's book. So, it's like the book I wish I had when I was a little girl. Is it only one person per letter of the alphabet? It's one person per letter of the alphabet. Who's your favorite so far? I'm only up to letter J, um, but my favorite so far is letter F, which is Florence Joyner or Florence Griffith Joyner. And she was my hero when I was little and they call her Flojo. And I'm gonna read you the first part of this cause it, it made me smile. <laughs> One day in school, Florence Griffith's teacher asked her what she wanted to be when she grew up. Everything she said, I yes, want to girl. be everything. Yes, I agree. I concur. I'm gonna need you to get that book for your godchildren when I have the babies. Well, apparently, our friend Sam just buys this for kids all the time. Like this is her go-to book. She was not even surprised when I showed it to her. Look at that. Sam be knowing. She do. She might have to be a godmother too. I mean, I plan on having multiple. So anyhow, Jesus, (laughs) (laughs) fix it, black Jesus. (laughs) All right. So uh, yeah. So if you um want to get in touch with us or even the listener question no i'm on it uh or even just letting us know about a time where you had to code switch or what you do how you get through life living in the duality of your full black self or otherwise um or even if you're not black i would love to know if folks from other cultures have to code switch as well because i'm sure they do in some capacity so let us know send us an email to fixitblackjesus at gmail.com um, and let us know if you would like us to use your name or not, because an anonymity, anonymity is your prerogative. My and prerogative. It was in my head, too. And uh, <laughs> otherwise, you can hit us up on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram at Fix It Black Jesus. I've been informed that we have now got 300 followers on the Instagram. Yes, we do. So thank, thank you. you for clicking that follow button. We mm-hmm. appreciate you. Keep clicking it on the other places. Like us on Facebook and Twitters. And uh, yeah, uh, thanks so much for listening. We have planned uh, the next, the rest of the month, so we're not going to disappear. 
Yeah, we um, were on a break. What you talking about, Aisha? We were on a break. We don't you remember. We, we had told them. We had told them. Nah, we were just on CP time. All right, move on. <laughs> I was actually singing the um, Aaliyah, Missy, and Timbaland song in my head when we decided we was going to record again today. Which is? It's been a long time. <laughs> Shouldn't have left you. <laughs> oh, oh, see, what always astounds me about you not being a good dancer is that you have rhythm. You are a musician. So you have rhythm. Right, so here's the thing. Mm. It's not that I'm a bad dancer. It's that mm. I'm an anxious person. So I prefer to dance horribly to cover up my anxiety, and then no one will expect anything from me in the dance department. It, it's worked out for years. We're so gonna, what? That's I'm actually so a, a decent dancer. Or so you think that it's working for you? Just saying. <laughs> it's working for my head. Okay, okay my brain, and that's what matters. That's what my matters. brain has processed. This is a success. Let me have it. Okay. I'm Aisha McGowan. I'm Lara Solis. And this is Fix It Black Jesus. Bye! Please fix it Black Jesus! <clears throat> All right.